Hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and this episode is being brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. On today's show, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Stephen Zudkoy. Dr. Stephen Zudkoy is the author of the book, Misdiagnose the Adrenal Fatigue Link. And before we get into that, I wanted to read Dr. Stephen Zudkoy's bio. Dr. Stephen Zudkoy is a board-certified chiropractor, nutritionist, and kinesiologist who for over 20 years has specialized in assisting patients that have not found relief through a standard course of treatment. He was one of the first doctors in the area to offer light cure deep laser therapy. It is a safe, FDA-approved treatment that offers relief from neck pain, carpal tunnel, headaches, migraines, and various other pain and injuries. He is also on the cutting edge of providing relief to patients experiencing back pain, offering intervertebral disc compression therapy. IDD therapy is proven to reduce herniated and bulging discs and increase disc height and disc fluids after just a few treatments. And as you can see, and we'll be talking today, he's also a pretty good guy when it comes to adrenal fatigue and wrote the book, Misdiagnose the Adrenal Fatigue Link. Before we get into the interview, we'd like to remind you to please connect with me on social media. Please go to iTunes if you are downloading this and leave a review, whether it's good, whether it's bad, just leave a review. If you want to connect with me on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash perfectly healthy and tone radio. You can become a part of the fan page there and get updates to the show. Also, I'm on Twitter and Pinterest. My Twitter handle is the fat underscore man. You can connect with me there. And then for Pinterest, for my more adventuresome people, I'm I'm the fat man one. So I'm the fat man and the number one. And you can connect with me there on Pinterest. And that's where I post a lot of my memes. I also post um, suggested books, books that I've read that you may want to read and a lot of other stuff there as well. So again, please connect with me on social media. So enough from my babbling. Let's get on with the episode. Dr. Steven Zodkoy, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the opportunity to share my thoughts with your, uh, your group. Well, thank you as well. I know you're busy, you're a chiropractor, and you have patients, and I wanted to thank you for taking some time out in your day to uh, do the interview. Oh, no problem. I'm happy to talk about, uh, you know, healthcare. You know, it's changing so much that, you know, we have to keep on top of it and let people know what's really happening. Um, healthcare has really changed from your doctor telling you uh, what you need done to the patient being their own advocate and really needing to know about um, nutrition and uh, her diet and options beyond just drugs. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I came from the pharmaceutical industry. I was out for a number of years, but I remember how things were changing then. That was 2000, 2002, and now it seems like it's even more changes. But um, getting into what you're studying, your book is called Misdiagnosed, the Adrenal Fatigue Link. And I'm always amazed. I've interviewed probably a little bit, maybe close to 100 people now. I don't know what the exact number is, but I'm always amazed at how people start discovering what they discover. How did you get into studying adrenal fatigue? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, um, you know, as you said, I'm a chiropractor and I'm also a board certified uh, nutritionist. 
And the way I practice is called applied kinesiology, which is a uh, advanced form of chiropractic where we use muscle testing for uh, to evaluate nutrition and structural function and biochemical function and um, even emotional. And 25 years ago when I was in chiropractic school, at the same time I was getting certified in applied kinesiology, they touched upon um, adrenal fatigue in a small number of patients who just don't respond to traditional chiropractic uh, and uh, nutritional care. And when I graduated uh, practice, uh, I'm sorry, when I graduated and started to practice, I would see, you know, maybe two, three, five percent of my patients needed to be uh, helped with their adrenal glands um, in order to make the chiropractic care and the nutritional care uh, function better. And then after about 2001, when the uh, 9-11 happened, and the mood in the whole country changed, and the stress level went up by 100%, um, I started to notice that not 5%, but 10, 15, 20% of my practice really was suffering with this adrenal fatigue. Um, and the reason was is that your adrenals are responsible for the fight-or-flight mechanism, uh, what really makes it possible for us to deal with stress uh, day in and day out. Um, and I think that in the last 15 years, there's been an overwhelming amount of stress uh, in American society that just doesn't end. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I was really intrigued by that, uh, as I mentioned in the book about 9-11. And I'm wondering if your patient population kind of um, increased with uh, people coming in with a lot more stress. How did that affect your practice? Well, I think that, you know, uh, I'm in the Northeast, so we definitely had quite a few people who were uh, directly involved um, in the incident, either with uh, themselves or their family members. Um, but I think that as a nation, it was a huge shock. Um, you know, we're, we're, we just feel stressed all the time now. And so it, it really brought it up to uh, a bubble. And the other thing is, is at the same time, I don't think it was just 9-11 itself, but, you know, we've been at war for 15 years. Um, and if you just think about the technology change 15 years ago, you and I wouldn't be doing the interview the way we're doing right now 15 years ago. Um, the technology has made our life, um, we're, we're on call, we're available to our friends, our family, our job 24-7. And I think that that's another big issue. You know, growing up, I'm 50 years old, growing up, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, your TV would get that, that American flag, and then it would go beep, and you were done for the evening. You could watch 100 channels all night long um, all over the world now. Your phone is on 24-7. Uh, you're getting emails, you're getting uh, blurbs, you're getting all kinds of things nonstop. And we've really taken away the body's chance to uh, calm down and relax by the way we, we are functioning now. We have more stress world, and we've given ourselves less time to recuperate. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you. In high school, I went to a basketball tournament in Las Vegas, and that was my first time ever experiencing the world like what I would say 24 seven where nothing ever stops people you wake up, we've stayed in a casino. I couldn't do anything. I was like 16 years old, but we stayed in a casino and it seems like from the time we went to bed, 
and the time that we got up, people were still in the casino. And that was my first time ever experiencing coming from a small town where nothing seemed to stop. Like the world just kept going from when I woke up in the morning to when I went to sleep. It just seemed it was amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I look at my father. He went to work at he worked long hours in the city. He went to work at six and he got home at six. So it was a long it was a 12 hour day. But when he get home at six o'clock. He was done. You know, his boss wasn't calling him on the phone. He wasn't checking his emails. And, you know, he'd sit down to dinner and then he'd make, probably watch some TV with me and that would be his day. Mm-hmm. You look at people now and they're, they're still working long hours. And then they get home. They're checking their emails for work. Uh, they're getting calls from work. Um, and that's the minimum. And then you get into the fact that they're on their phone, they're on their computer checking their Facebook, checking their emails from friends, checking the news. It just doesn't stop. And even if it's good news, it's still just constant stimulation of the nervous system, which leads to fatigue. Um, Years ago, we would see adrenal fatigue in patients who were really overwhelmed. You, You know, we would see it in soldiers who were in combat. Uh, we would see it in people who are high stress jobs like nurses and police officers, firemen, but now it's just rampant in everybody because nobody takes time off. <coughs> um, I see my wife every now and then, you know, she'll wake up in the middle of the night, um, and she'll reach over and check her phone. I mean, three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, uh, who, who's texting her? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've done that. I'm guilty of doing that. And I, 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 I mean, I, I can certainly, uh, Sympathize with her there because I've done it myself. But think about what that does to your nervous system. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get up in the middle of the night when you're supposed to be, you know, minimally fishing, and you stop, you turn on a bright light, and then you're trying to decipher um, what news is coming to you, you're basically taking your nervous system and putting it into full drive immediately. And then people expect to put down the phone and go right to bed. It really doesn't make any sense. Uh, and it's really wearing out uh, people's nervous systems and um, biochemical systems and it's adding to more and more stress. And what people don't realize a lot of times is that uh, emotional and physical stress feeds on it. So the more you have, the worse you become. Um, and so we really need to take a step back and rebuild our, our bodies. Uh, and this is where we're really heading towards um, in the 21st century. We're no longer having diseases that are killed. We have functional diseases that are taking away the quality of life. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you. Um, going through the book and preparing for this, there was something that struck me, and I wanted to ask you about this and how it actually ended up changing your practice. You said early in your practice you really focus on the area of pain when a patient came in with a with a specific pain you would focus on that area of pain um what was the downfall to that and what made you start changing that that philosophy well our whole medical uh, system in the united states is based on the magic bullet you have a problem there's, it's got to be a, a self-contained problem, and we're going to find a magic bullet, whether it be a drug, whether it be a chiropractic adjustment, whether it will be a surgery, and that's going to get rid of that problem. Now, 50 years ago, 
that may have worked when people were having terrible uh, bacterial infections and we gave them an antibiotic that would really uh, would help um, but we've really taken care of the simple diseases like that and what we're left with are these much more complex functional problems where you're having an issue not because there's a problem just at that one site uh, but it's a deeper issue causing you um, uh, it's radiating there so let me give an example. I think it's much, much easier to give an example. Um, people with fibromyalgia, which is um, undiagnosed um, muscle pain, um, the doctors now are trying to focus in on the muscle pain. And what they're basically, you know, if you go to your family physician or your rheumatologist, they're trying to give you medication that will uh, limit the muscle pain. If you go to your chiropractor, they're trying to adjust and massage and work the area to get rid of the muscle pain. But really what we're finding is it's a much more complex problem. And the pain is really just the symptom. It's not really giving you why uh, you're having the issue. And what we found with people with fibromyalgia is that uh, through continued stress, anxiety, they have a biomechanical problem where they're causing much, much more inflammation. Um, they have a bio, uh, biochemical problem where they're having joint uh, laxity, um, and this is to increased joint pain and inflammation. So trying to treat the pain wouldn't work. If we go back several steps and try and work on the biochemical problem uh, that's causing the joint laxity, that's causing the inflammation, that'll help quite a bit. And if we even go back another step and see if there's an emotional issue that's causing the biochemical problem, uh, we'll even get a, a deeper healing. Um, and that's where medicine needs to move. We've got to look for why did the problem arise, not just treating what the problem is or the symptom. Yeah, I see a lot more um, interviewing people and a lot more even with talking with just peers where people are more uh, aware of functional medicine now, getting in, getting to the root cause. And I happen to think that that's where medicine is actually going. We can't sustain this this whole model of just treating the symptoms anymore because no one's no one's actually getting better. Um, well, and the reason for that is, is we've done a great job. You know, uh, we can all, you know, physicians and um, healthcare workers can all pat themselves on the back because we've really done a fantastic job extending out life. And what we need to do now is really function on that quality of life, uh, which we haven't done before. Um, and it's not going to be as easy as giving a simple pill to, to hide the symptom or get rid of the disease. We're really going to have to work to balance a person's emotion, biochemical, and structural issues so that they feel healthy and they are healthy. And that's a much more complex problem um, to deal with. I, you know, can I give a great example? Yeah. Um, you know, I have so many patients that we treat with um, headaches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can give somebody right away medication and they'll immediately start to feel better with uh, the medication, but what you'll find is three months, six months. I think that's you. Yeah, that's me. Go ahead. Keep okay. So um, I think three months, six months down the road, they become immune to the medication and the headaches are getting worse and worse and worse. The key is to find out why that person is getting the headache. 
Um, do they have a structural problem? Do they have an emotional problem? Do they have a biochemical problem? More likely, they've got a combination of all, do they have a genetic problem? More likely, it's a combination of those factors that you need to address a little bit of each one in order to prevent the headaches, not treat the headaches. And that's where medicine really needs to go. We need to be much more active on preventing diseases, treating the underlying causes of the problem, rather than just focusing on the um, symptoms. So in my office, a lot of times, we'll look for the structural problems like a chiropractor would. I'll look for the biochemical problems uh, like a nutritionist would. Um, I'll check to see if they're emotionally overwhelmed like a, um, a therapist would. Um, and then we'll check the lab works like a physician would. And we're trying to put that all together so that we're really looking at a patient as the whole rather than just my little section, this doctor's little section. And that's why we're getting such great results. Yeah, one of the things that I'm really big on and I've been kind of going down this whole road is, um, and you mentioned this, was the emotion, the, the, the emotional part behind the illness. And um, I wanted to ask you about that, but about this, because I never really heard of it in these terms before. I've heard of a lot of different terms, but that aspect of dealing with the patient emotionally um, is that the neuroemotional technique that you use in helping to kind of help the patient get over those those emotions that they might be having? Yeah, that's a lot of what we're doing now. So uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I do a lot of work for uh, veterans with post-traumatic stress and anxiety. And they're a good example of explaining this. So these guys are coming in. They have, you know, anger, anxiety, burnout, depression, PTSD, fatigue, you know, a gamut of problems. And the old way of looking at this was um, let's give them medication. Well, the medication may bring them, you know, from the bottom up a little bit, but it doesn't actually help them get over the root cause of it. And sometimes therapy will help them, you know, um, learn about why they have the problem, but a lot of times it doesn't help them get over it. So what we've been doing for the last 25 years is doing techniques like neuroemotional code, um, um, the uh, emotion code, um, and what you basically do is allow the person to uh, visualize or think about what's stressing them or causes them to get stressed or overwhelmed, and then use the acupuncture meridian system. Uh, we don't use needles. We just tap the points, sort of desensitize uh, them to it. What we've found in research is that when people have a traumatic event, whether it's real or perceived, um, it stays in their mind. And they basically just you know, keep playing these traumatic events over and over and over again like a broken record. So for a lot of our veterans, they've been... Um, in a uh, in a firefight, let's say, and they're just becoming overwhelmed, and they just keep playing the traumatic event over and over again, like a broken record. And what happens is is that it's reliving the stress continuously, over and over and over again. So with them, we do a couple of things. We do this NET neural emotional technique or this emotion code. They're very similar, um, and we have them visualize the event and. Then we desensitize them using acupressure points. And what it does is it takes the broken record, that's a real problem for them, and basically puts it on the shelf. You're not denying the fact it was there. You're not denying the fact that they have um, uh, past issues. But what you're doing is 
rather than replaying the record continuously and reliving the trauma over again, you're sort of taking it off the record player, putting it on the shelf, and it's something that you may have to look at every now and then, but you don't have to relive continuously. Then what we do is we use nutritional supports to sort of help the brain uh, wash that bad memory um, out of the continuous loop and put it into uh, a memory that they may pop up every now and then, but something that they can deal with on a regular basis. So rather than just treating the symptom of them being anxiety, depressed, uh, PTSD, we're actually working to get the body to function the way it's supposed to be, where you have bad memories, but they don't continuously play, and you have bad memories, and the body's supposed to produce a certain amount of hormones and neurotransmitters to wash that bad memory away, and we're supporting that using uh, nutrition, and that way the per people are much more easier to move ahead and start to heal. It's a totally different concept. When you're using drugs, um, you're trying to hide the symptoms or mitigate the symptoms. We're trying to get the body to be able to deal with it so it moves beyond the symptoms. Yeah. Sounds like it's similar to, um, I, I used for a number of years, the emotional freedom technique with the tapping points. And you mentioned them. Um, you mentioned. Exactly like that. Okay, uh, yeah. There's several different ones. Uh, NET, neural emotional technique, is always done by a physician. Um, emotional freedom technique or emotion code uh, can be done by just a trained person. All the techniques use the same basis. You're using the acupuncture meridian system to desensitize people to trauma. Um, and it, it's a fantastic approach. You know, uh, I, I've been working with veterans uh, for the last several years. Uh, we have a big um, grant to do it. And, you know, in the last 20 months, we've done this to um, believe it or not, 435 veterans with you know, 4,000 sessions, and the results are amazing. Um, one of the things, we've, we've actually gone into a prison to do it for veterans in a prison. And I think that we can all appreciate numbers. It makes it really easy. But the average um, uh, veteran that we've done in the prison, we've only had 3% return back to prison. And that's compared to 30 to 40% of um, normal prisoners. And the reason is, is we're giving them the tools to uh, clean out their aggravation, their stress, the things that are causing triggers for them to lose control, which makes them um, do uh, make poor uh, decisions. And by sort of cleaning out their nervous system, getting them over the hump, allowing them to process like uh, normally, they're able to make better decisions so they don't end up back in jail. So we're really starting to get some real quantitative um, numbers showing that how much better uh, a functional approach is than a drug approach. Yeah, I um, was going to ask you about the Marines because I know you did a number study on the Marines and the fact that I would think that, and you just mentioned this, the fact that most of these guys are really highly stressed. They're coming back from wars and they're dealing with the stressors of society. So it's it seems like it was just um, logical that you would do your studies on the Marines first and end up helping them. I'm wondering with the, the technique and helping them emotionally, how bad from a physical standpoint were their, their adrenals coming back from war, experiencing what they might have experienced? How bad were their adrenals? from a, a, a physical standpoint? 
Well, you know, one of the things we've noticed is that, uh, and you know, I'm a big historian, but when you, if you were fighting a war in the past, um, and let's say you were, it was World War II, and you were on the front line, you may be on the front line for 30 days, you may be on the front line for 45 days, and then they would pull you all the way back, you know, hundreds of miles behind the lines, and you'd literally get, you know, seven to ten days to really recoup. Um, and a chance to reset your nervous system. The problem with uh, the way the world is now, whether you're a Marine in Af uh, Afghanistan um, or you know, a businessman in New York, is you're constantly under stress. When our Marines are in Afghanistan um, or any other uh, branch of the military, when they're in a combat zone, they're in a combat zone 24-7. You get pulled back to what's called a green zone, which is supposed to be a protective zone. But our green zones are regularly attacked by uh, rockets, mortars, uh, uh, um, uh, terrorists. Um, there is no real downtime. So your nervous system, your adrenal glands are just totally overwhelmed all the time. And then what happens is you get pulled back to the United States. Your tour is done. But you've set the bar so high, you're... you're on alert, or you're so used to being on alert, 24-7, you can't turn the system off. You're constantly on alert. You're constantly on alert. So it wears down your nervous system, and it wears down your adrenals. And, and these guys uh, are really just totally burnt out. Really, um, since we've recognized this problem, we've developed this protocol. Uh, it's called the Resiliency Program. And we found that when I put them through this protocol and we use nutritional supplements to reset their adrenals, reset their nervous system, and use this NET to help them shut off and turn back on, we're able to reduce their symptoms um, uh, and complaints, both physical and emotional, by over 80% uh, in six months. So we're really resetting them back to uh, a healthier level than most Americans are. Uh, and it's working quite well. Now, we started using this. I did this study uh, with uh, the Marines back in, I think, 2013, 2014. And like since that time, we've done 400 other veterans. And it's the same approach, and it's working really, really well because we're resetting their nervous system, resetting their adrenals. So not only do they not feel overwhelmed, but they get back to the quality of life uh, where they can get excited about good things and relax uh, uh, um, when they have time off. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the stages of adrenal fatigue. Um, I think there's, I want to say three stages. I might be wrong. I'm not sure. But let's talk about the three stages of adrenal fatigue. And also, um, I guess another question on there is how far is too far before your adrenals just totally just just give out? Well, you know, it's interesting. I call there's something. Let's start with that. The, the last question first. When do your adrenals totally give out? Mm -hmm. um, the adrenals almost never totally, totally give out. Um, I call it the zombie syndrome. You could be unbelievably exhausted, can't get off the bed, totally depressed, um, really no energy to high anxiety, all the terrible symptoms with adrenal dysfunction. And if there was a zombie apocalypse and they were breaking down the door, your adrenals would still kick in and you would run like mad. Right. Um, so now you have, you know, and 
people say there's three stages. People say there's four stages of adrenal fatigue. Um, and they make that, it's for simplicity. Uh, in reality, you can become totally uh, adrenal fatigued and worn out um, within days or, or months. It really doesn't matter. But in the typical scenario we give, um, now, adrenal fatigue is the word we use all the time. But in reality, we're talking about adrenal dysfunction. Uh, adrenal fatigue really uh, stands for when the adrenals just aren't producing enough cortisol, they're not producing enough DHEA, they've really given out so they, it's hard for you to stimulate them short of the zombie apocalypse. What really people are suffering with is adrenal dysfunction. And what adrenal dysfunction means, and I'm guilty of this too by the way, I named the book uh, uh, Misdiagnosed the Adrenal Fatigue Link because people are so used to hearing it. Uh, and I spend I think the first two or three pages explaining it's really dysfunction. And adrenal dysfunction is when your adrenal glands don't produce enough hormones and neurotransmitters to match the stress you're under. And this is important because the typical first stage of uh, adrenal dysfunction is your adrenal glands are producing a lot of hormones, a lot of neurotransmitters, so more than you need. Uh, and the reason for it is you're under stress and the body is really pumping out uh, a lot of these nutrients so that uh, hormones and neurotransmitters so that you could deal with the stress. But because the stress isn't ending, they're going to go, they figure if they give a, a little bit more, you'll be able to overwhelm the stress and gain control. So that's usually stage one, you're producing a lot. And this is the type of person who says, you know, I really thrive under stress. Well, at the beginning, you really do. Like, I'm okay pulling an all-nighter. Um, I'm okay with a deadline. And when you're 20, 25, 30, you probably are okay with that. But that stress becomes continuous, and you just cannot keep up with it. What's going to happen is you get into what we call stage two, which is the body will produce the hormones you need right away. What's the emergency that, uh, what am I going to need to put out the fire? Maybe it's cortisol because you're under a huge amount of uh, emotional stress or physical stress right now. But in three weeks, uh, if you're a woman, you have your menstrual cycle, so we're going to switch over to producing uh, reproductive hormones. So you get highs and lows throughout the month. Um, and what happens with that is you start to notice symptoms. Uh, maybe some days I'm a little low in energy. Maybe some days my hormone levels are fluctuating, so I'm a little moody. Um, and that can be men or women. Um, but it's fluctuating up and down. You really can't put your finger on it. Um, because it goes up and it goes down, but you know you're not quite right. So you're like, oh, I just need a vacation, I just need to sleep in a little bit, I need to do a little better exercise, I need to eat a little bit better, and believe me, all those things really do help. But by this time, you've already caused um, some biochemical problems in your system that you're going to need to address with nutrients. And this is interesting, during this stage, people are producing a lot of cortisol. And cortisol pumps a lot of sugar into the blood system, um, but because you're under stress and it's new, uh, you're using up a lot of this sugar um, and you're okay. When you head into stage three and your body just says, you've had enough, both emotionally and physically, it can't produce um, enough hormones or neurotransmitters to meet up with any of your needs, um, you start to phase out 
and you start to get more and more symptoms. And symptoms could be anxiety, could be anger, could be burnout, could be joint pain, could be inflammation, could be poor sleep. And the biggest one is belly fat, a huge amount of belly fat. Mm -hmm. And the reason for this is we got to go back to stage two. Your body's producing a lot of hormones, so you're producing a lot of cortisol. And at first, your body will deal with the cortisol um, by releasing a lot of glucose, a lot of sugar, and you're using this sugar for energy. But the sugar itself becomes toxic to the body, so you become what's called uh, insulin resistant. You can't produce enough insulin to absorb all of the glucose. So is that, that is that start inter interrupt you there? But is that a um, a catalyst for someone who might be diabetic? The fact that they have bad adrenals and this is happening. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it because what happens is, again, stage two, you're producing a lot of cortisol to try and keep up with your stress, you know, stage one into, and so you're, you have a lot of glucose running around your system. The glucose is too much for the body, so the, you become insulin resistant. It won't move the glucose out of your, your blood. So now you're in stage three, and you're insulin resistant, um, and what happens is all that glucose that's circulating around your body has two choices. It can either be turned into fat, which you're going to store around your belly, which is why so many people uh, with stress and anxiety over a long period of time develop uh, a belly weight um, in that area. Um, or it's going to, the glucose is going to stay in your blood and you're going to start to develop diabetes. Uh, and those are the two options. And a lot of this, I don't want to say every, everybody, a lot of this comes from the adrenal dysfunction. Um, it's a progression of what's happened. It's you know, Your body just at one point was producing too much. You became um, sensitive to it. And now the only way to get rid of it is to store it as fat or uh, you end up with it staying in your system and it becomes um, diabetes. So those are the three main stages. Stage one. Uh, you're producing a, a mad amount of uh, neurotransmitters and hormones to deal with the stress. Stage two, you're in emergency mode. You're putting out fires, so you'll pump up these hormones, and then you'll switch to another hormone, uh, and you'll fluctuate up and down, so you start to get symptoms. Stage three, the symptoms are getting, you can't keep up at all with the hormones and the neurotransmitters uh, and your stress levels. So uh, everything starts, your hormone levels and neurotransmitters start to drop down. Your symptoms get worse and worse and worse. And then um, stage four, the option stage four, is where they actually call adrenal fatigue, where you're producing bare minimum hormones and neurotransmitters. You have tons of symptoms. Nobody can diagnose you. They keep trying to give you uh, antipsychotic medications, antidepressant medications, anti-anxiety medications. They keep giving you drugs for every symptom you have. And no matter what, you get temporary relief if you're lucky, but you really actually never achieve health, wellness, or happiness again. Um, and that's where really a lot of the cases that I have right now um, are at. Yeah. Um, getting into, you mentioned something that is, is very, very true because when I was... In college, I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, I could pretty much stay out all night, get up the next morning, go to an 8 o'clock class. And then if I try to do that now, even if I stay out, one, I go to South Beach. I'm near Miami. So let's say I go to South Beach and I stay out to 2 or 3 in the morning. It, like, it takes me 
three or four days just to recover from that. And I'm wondering if the adrenals become more sensitive as, as we age. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, the adrenals, like the rest of the body, um, you know, they age, their, their ability to function slows down, um, which is fine because you're, you know, you're supposed to sort of slow down as time goes on. But with the adrenal glands, you're really burnt, you know, you could force them to keep putting out until they're, they just have nothing left. Um, and this is what we see with most people is they're wearing them out much faster than they should be. It's no different than any motor. Um, you know, you can drive a truck nice and easy for 200,000 miles and the motor is perfectly fine, the transmission's fine, or you can, you know, ride that truck hard, you know, uh, not take, you know, not give it good gas, not give it good oil, and burn it out at 50,000 miles. Unfortunately, many of us are burning out our adrenals uh, you know, in the first 30, 35 years of our life, uh, and the last 30, 35 years of our life are becoming very, very difficult. Um, a real good example of this is um, menopause. Um, the adrenals produce a small amount of hormones for women, and that small amount becomes more and more important as they get older and older and older. So when they're 20 and their ovaries are pumping out, you know, 95% of the hormones they need to go through their menstrual cycle and have a normal um, uh, hormone cycle, uh, it doesn't matter that they're burning out their adrenals. But when they turn 40 and their ovaries are naturally slowing down, that small percentage that the adrenals are supposed to be pumping out really matters. But because they burnt out their adrenals when they were younger, uh, there's, there's no baseline, and they fall off the edge, and they get terrible symptoms uh, of menopause. Um, and that's a, another good example that people just don't realize. Yeah. Um, getting into, we got like 10 minutes left here. I don't want to keep you over. But getting into DHEA, I had a question on that with regards to, I've heard so many different things. Um, again, explain what DHEA is and then for those people out there who don't know. And then also, um, what is your your opinion on supplementing? Because I've heard so many different things about DHEA. Some people say don't supplement. Some people say do. I just want to get your opinion on you know what, what you do in your practice and what you've had success with. Sure. DHEA, um, you don't, I'm not even going to attempt to say what it is, uh, <laughs> is produced by the adrenals. And basically, it's a precursor for progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, so when the adrenals are overwhelmed, um, they'll a lot of times switch from production of DHEA to more important hormones like cortisol. Um, but when... Um, uh, a woman's hormone cycle starts to change, they'll drop production of cortisol and they'll switch to produce DHEA so that they can produce enough of the progesterone and estrogen. And it happens in men in the cycle too, but women is the one we're well aware of it. So uh, a lot of times if you want to take the strain off of the adrenal glands, um, you'll supplement with DHEA so that it could focus on producing uh, the cortisol. Now, my practice is a little different. So uh, what they found for uh, DHEA could also be what's called neuroprotective, which means if you have post-traumatic stress or a history of um, other traumas, 
your DHEA actually sort of wipes away the memory or the harshness of the memory um, and it becomes very, very uh, useful. So a lot of times if we have um, um, veterans or, uh, you know, not even veterans, but anybody suffering from post-traumatic stress, the vast majority of post-traumatic stress is uh, family abuse or sexual abuse. So if they're reliving the memories over and over again, we will give um, you know, anywhere from 10 milligrams to 50 milligrams uh, first thing in the morning of DHEA um, to help them wash away that memory while we're doing the NET and rebuilding their adrenals. Um, and it's been very, very safe. The research on DHEA, uh, the reason there's some controversy in it is that uh, women who are postmenopausal who take DHEA have a slightly higher increase of, um, um, I think, breast or uterine cancer. Um, so if you're, you know, not postmenopausal, you're perfectly safe to take between 50 and milli uh, 10 and 50 milligrams of DHEA in the morning. Uh, if you're postmenopausal, you probably don't want to take it. But one of the things is that when we do nutritional counseling in my office and we're dealing with whether it's a woman with fibromyalgia, a man suffering with uh, migraines, a veteran with PTSD, um, there should be an end to it. You shouldn't have to take it forever. Um, by giving um, nutritional supplements, you may start out with quite a bit day one but six to nine, 12 months later, those numbers should be coming down and uh, our, the number of nutrients you're taking should be coming down as your adrenals become stronger. Um, and you may be left with just taking a multinutrient, some amino acids, even just a whole glandular, uh, but you shouldn't need to be taking a shopping cart full of uh, nutrients. Um, one of the things that I'm asked a lot, um, and I want, I'll put it in here is, how quickly should you heal from adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, I, I did this for, you know, 15 days, I didn't feel any better. I did for, you know, 60 days, I didn't feel any better. What we say in our office is you should improve 10 to 15% a month. Every month, you should improve 10 to 15%. And the only way that you, you're going to know how you're improving is to keep a daily log of how you are. And what you do is you get a spreadsheet, and day one, you go down column one, you write every complaint you have, uh, whether it be headaches, whether it be anger, anxiety, burnout, shoulder pain, back pain, gastrointestinal distress, impotency, it doesn't matter. You write them all down, and you scale it um, on a scale one to ten. Ten being severe, one being uh, nothing. And the next day, you go down the list again, and you compare it. Was your headache better that day? Okay, give it a different score. If you have a new complaint, you put it on the bottom. And what you should see from day one to day 30, it should drop by just 10%. Um, and the next month, it should drop another 10%. But if you're not keeping a daily record of how you're doing, you're never going to know if the training protocol you're using is really working. Because when you have adrenal dysfunction, you're basically saying your core system isn't working right. And it's going to take time to rebuild that. Um, it's no different than if you have a computer. Now, if you have a computer and you're trying to use your, um, 
your iTunes app, it may not function and you could probably fix that. But if the whole underlying uh, operating system, whether it be DOS or, uh, or uh, System 8, whatever Apple is up, isn't working, none of your applications are going to work. And it's going to take a lot of time to fix that and reboot it. Um, so a lot of times people come in and they'll have 100 complaints, but they expect it to recover in 30 days. Absolutely not. You need to keep a daily record of what your symptoms are, what the severity of them, um, their severity is, and then keep a running record of that and make sure that it's improving by 10% every month. And that's the only way to really see uh, if your adrenals are healing. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people out there who, like, they go through so much illness for a number of years, and then they want to reverse it in, like, a day or so. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. we have, in our office, when we check up on patients, we have a questionnaire we use every every 30 days, and, you know, people will start off at 100, and 30 days later, they're down to 70, and they're like, well, I'm not getting any better. You're 70%, 30% better. But people are so used to being in pain, they can't register the fact that their pain went from a 7 to a 10. Um, and you, so they need to see it so that they stick with the program and they, they can see it's actually working. On the other hand, it could show that you're not improving at all, in which case you may need to switch the, switch the approach. So it goes both ways. Um, but what we really find is in our office, if we put a program and they're tracking how they're doing, they can really see that uh, they're improving and that they're on the right approach. Yeah. Um, so I really would suggest that to anybody who's going to start um, dealing with their emotional and physical complaints and adrenal dysfunction to keep a really good record of uh, what's wrong and how they're doing. Yeah. Um, three last questions for you, and we'll fit these in. We might go a little over, but um, you, what types of things are associated with adrenal fatigue? What other types of conditions? Because you yourself, from going through the book, you yourself suffer from migraines. Um, and you mentioned migraines, I believe, earlier in the in the podcast. But what other conditions have you seen that are associated? I think you mentioned migraines and also fibromyalgia. But what other conditions might be associated with adrenal fatigue that physicians or people out there who might be listening may not have any idea that the root cause is this adrenal fatigue? You know, that's great. I like that question. And it gives me an opportunity to sort of um, explain something. When you have adrenal fatigue, more likely than not, you don't have a single symptom. You have multiple symptoms that are both physical, emotional, and biochemical. Um, so an example is you may have uh, migraines, but you have fatigue with it. You may have shoulder pain, leg pain, uh, and insomnia. You may have anxiety and gastrointestinal problems. Um, usually what we're seeing is people have four, five, six different minor complaints, one major complaint, and they're all related to adrenal fatigue. Um, you know, if your knee hurts, you probably have uh, a neuromuscular problem related to the knee. Now, if your knee hurts, uh, you have headaches, and you have fatigue, that may show that your, your, your adrenals are involved because the muscles that are going to your, your knee are, are weakened from the adrenal fatigue. Um, your energy is weakened from the adrenal fatigue. 
um, and your moods are changing from the adrenal fatigue. So usually you have a plethora, a group of symptoms, not one specific problem. And that's a good key for people um, to realize that they have adrenal fatigue. You know, if you have insomnia, neck pain, and anger, you know, how are those three things related? Um, and that's a good way to realize that you have uh, adrenal dysfunction. Um, another way is, you know, in our book, um, we have a questionnaire. Uh, and in the questionnaire, it basically says if you score, I don't know what the number is, if you score more than 60 points on the questionnaire, there's a pretty good chance you have uh, adrenal dysfunction. But I tell patients all the time, if you think you're burnt out, if you think you're worn out, you probably have adrenal fatigue because you know that you don't physically and emotionally feel the way you should. Yeah, um, and then the last two questions would be um, testing. What type of testing do you recommend? And then maybe some solutions. I remember you uh, mentioning glandulars, and I've, I've been myself been on glandulars. But um, if you could tackle that first question being, you know, the testing, because a lot of people have no idea about functional medicine, and they may be wanting to go to their doctor, you know, their medical doctor, and ask for this type of testing. So they pretty much want to know what type of testing to ask for. And then the solutions. What can you use sure. to actually start getting those adrenals to feel better? Well, one of the best ways to determine, again, if you have um, adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction um, is to use one of these questionnaires. Now, online, there's a test called the Maslach Burnout Inventory, which is a good questionnaire. And if you score extremely high on that, it shows that that's been, that test has been linked to adrenal dysfunction. Um, in our book, we have a questionnaire um, that really goes over both the physical and emotional complaints people have. And that's another good way to show whether you have um, adrenal dysfunction. A lot of people like to, you know, like to see it in black and white where you know, they want a lab test uh, to do it because that's yeah. the way Western medicine is. Um, you can do what's called a four-point cortisol test where you measure your cortisol four different times during the day. Now, the exact numbers that show up aren't as important as um, the graph. It should be very, very high in the morning, and it should be much less at night. Uh, with that, you could do DHEA, the uh, pre-hormone we were talking about before, because uh, if that level is too high or too low in comparison to cortisol, you could tell whether you're struggling to keep up with what your body needs. Um, the problem with doing um, functional lab testing like cortisol and DHEA is one, you have to find a physician who's qualified to read the test. Um, and two, um, if you're in the early stages um, of, uh, if you're in stage one or stage starting stage two, um, your symptoms, you may be overproducing hormones. So your lab test may be pos uh, look normal but you still may have adrenal dysfunction. Because remember, in stage one, you're overproducing hormones. In the beginning of stage two, you're overproducing some and underproducing others. Uh, and depending upon when you're checking um, your labs, is, um, you, may not get the, you may get what's called a false positive, where the results are normal, but you still have an issue. One of the ways to get around that is, when you're doing the cortisol saliva test, the four-point test, Make sure at least one time during those four tests 
that you take your saliva level when you're feeling crappy. So you're either not sleeping or you're having anxiety. And that'll give uh, the physician an idea of, well, look, the, the, the levels are within range, but then when the patient's having a symptom, they spike up or they drop down. And that's key for getting the test done properly. The other part is once you realize that um, you have adrenal dysfunction, uh, you need to go on a uh, nutritional protocol. Um, one of the things is is dietary change. In the book, we recommend people go on an alkaline diet, which is you know alkaline water, lots of vegetables, uh, lots of fruit, uh, limited protein, um, and then avoiding. Um, you know, carbohydrates, sugar, artificial coloring, flavoring, sweeteners, uh, and stimulants. That's the easy part of it. Um, people need to start to manage their stress levels uh, with exercise, meditation, yoga, quiet time. Listen, the simplest thing to do is shut off the phone, shut off the computer, shut off the TV, grab yourself a nice fluffy book, uh, you know, nothing too hard, and just sit and read for 20 minutes. Let your mind sort of relax. Um, so lifestyle changes are really important. Exercise is great, but it's got to be done. If you have adrenal fatigue, you're much more prone to joint pain, muscle pain, uh, and injury. So you want to do light exercises until you get it under control. And then you can talk about nutritional supplements. I'm very big on using adrenal glandulars. They use the adrenal glands uh, of a cow. And the reason for that is, is it, it has the basic DNA of what you need to support your adrenals. Um, and it's the most natural way to rebuild them. So you take an adrenal support, uh, adrenal glandular in the morning, and you're basically feeding the adrenal glands so that they start to really pump up during the morning. Uh, you use what's called adaptogens, which are herbals or amino acids that uh, keep the adrenals balanced throughout the day. Um, and then sometimes we'll use uh, herbals to sort of shut the adrenals down at the end of the day. Because in the morning, you want to have a lot of adrenal function, and at the end of the day, you want to have very little. Uh, what we find is it's not so much how much you're producing, but the difference between your cortisol levels in the morning and your cortisol levels at night, which is what you make somebody feel uh, healthy, strong, and healthy. And, um, yeah, your glandulars, um, there was a, a brand that I use, and the company actually went out of business. I don't know if you want to say the glandulars that you use on the air. If you can, do so. If you can't, I, I understand. Well, you know, uh, when we talk about vitamins, um, you really want to go with what's called professional grade, somebody who's testing the quality, somebody who's testing um, the dosage in there. Um, so rather than naming a brand, we're basically going to say, you know, I think in the book we give two or three different brands. Uh, but when you're going to the store, you, you know, vitamins are one of those things that you got to pay a good amount of money to make sure that they're being tested by a third party. Once they reach that criteria of being tested by a third party or a professional grade, um, you're safe to use them. Yeah, I, I, I go see someone and I was always doing the professional grade. Um, Dr. Steven, thank you for being on. And I'm sure that you know people want to reach out to maybe talk to you or some people may want to schedule an appointment. I don't know who's going to be listening to this. But what is your website or do you have a website where people might be able to contact you through? 
Sure. I mean, we do phone consults all around the world. Uh, we've done people as far as Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Japan. Um, it, people can reach me at mammothadvancedmedicine.com. Um, they could find me on Facebook, uh, Stephen Zodkoy, or uh, misdiagnose the adrenal fatigue link. Either way, they can contact me. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being on today. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, spread the word. All right. Thank you.